Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm Rose Michael and this episode is TTS Thursday number three. Today's topic is on triathlon bike training as a logical follow-up to last week's episode on swim training. We'll get right into it after thanking our sponsors. First, we have precision hydration. Precision hydration help you match your sweat sodium concentration level to an appropriately concentrated electrolyte supplement so that you can adequately replace the right amount of sodium that you lose. And this becomes especially important when you're, when you're doing longer workouts or events and when the temperatures are high and humidity is high. People might lose anywhere from around about 200 milligrams of sodium per liter of sweat to 2000 milligrams. So that's a tenfold difference. And precision hydration have therefore created uh, supplements of different strengths. And you can find out a ballpark estimate of where you are and therefore which supplement you should select by taking precision hydration's free sweat test, get a free hydration plan, and uh, then select your supplements accordingly. You can get 15% off your electrolytes with the promo code thattriathlonshow15 on precisionhydration.com. And thank you to Roka that you can find on roka.com. Roka are the world-leading manufacturers of wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses. Uh, Roka are trusted by athletes such as uh, Javier Gomez, Lucy Charles Barclay, Katie Safiris, Mario Mola, and many, many others. And in the Ironman World Championships in uh, Kona, when there have been official swimskin counts as well as unofficial swimskin counts, Roka have typically been on top uh, with the most representation among the pro athletes in the field. You can get 20% off your entire Roka order with the promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. And uh, one more thing before we get into the topic, uh, I would just like to ask you that if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please rate and review on whatever platform you're listening to. It is really important to help spread the podcast to, to help new listeners find it and keep the podcast sustainable for the long term. Now on to today's topic, a bike training for triathlon. Just like we did for swim training, we'll start by looking at the demands of triathlon uh, cycling. And for the purpose of this episode, since most of our listeners do non-draft triathlon, that's what we'll focus on today, not so much the draft legal side. We might do that another time in a separate episode. But to be fair, the differences aren't aren't super big. I mean, there are much more similarities than there are differences for sure. Now, in non-draft triathlon, whether we're talking a sprint distance race or an Ironman, uh, this is the bike leg is mostly about sustained power. Uh, of course, as we have talked about quite recently on the podcast with scientific triathlon coach James Teagle, things like the course profile and uh, even things like weather conditions with wind, uh, they are really important to account for. So sustained power doesn't necessarily mean steady power, even on a perfectly flat course like a speedway, as we saw in Challenge Miami recently, because those very, very strong winds really forced the athletes to some big variations in power. But regardless of variations, the almost all triathlon courses require to, you to hold a sustained power for a fairly long time. And this can be anything from a bit under 30 minutes for fast athletes in a sprint distance race to six, seven hours for less experienced athletes doing their first Ironman, for example. So the point here is that when looking at your power profile as a cyclist, uh, triathlon very clearly favors athletes that can hold 
threshold for a long time and those can hold a relatively high percentage of threshold for long durations so sustained power and even if there are variations within that let's say you're doing an a half Ironman and you're averaging 85% of threshold but some of the time you're at 75% some of the time you're at 90 or 95% that's all well and good but it's still about sustained power uh, averaging that high power for two two and a half hours three hours whatever it may be we could of course on the physiology physiology side talk about things like vo2 max and threshold which of course are incredibly important for triathletes uh, because you want to have a sustained power that is high not just in relative terms so relative to threshold or vo2 max but also in absolute terms so you would rather be able to ride at 300 watts for whatever the race distance is than than at 200 watts for example so so vo2 max and threshold are super important obviously they are kind of baked into the whole catch-all term of sustained power because uh, if you have a high vo2 max and a high threshold then you will also have a higher sustained power than somebody with a much lower threshold and vo2 max but then for you you can still within that threshold and vo2 max work on like really maximizing what you can eke out of of those physiological parameters and and really hold a high percentage for a long time so so basically when we talk about sustained power vo2 max and threshold are baked in there sustained power is not a physiological parameter it's just a uh, i guess a term that we can use to describe what triathlon is about in a, or what cy- triathlon cycling is about uh, but uh, other than the physical aspects and physiological aspects uh, we also of course in non-draft racing have aerodynamics as uh, a super important uh, aspect two athletes with the same power and same weight can have dramatically different bike splits if their aerodynamics are very different for example or an ironman i checked my own data for an upcoming race on best bike split and just uh, this will depend on your power output of course and uh, the speed that that power output result results in but i checked what a 10 percent increase in cda would lead to for me and uh, it led to an increase in ironman time by almost 10 minutes and uh, considering that cda can vary by a lot more than just 10 percent from rider to rider that's uh, that's a very easily happened thing that you might, might have the exact same power and power to weight but if power to aerodynamics is lower that you'll go a lot slower and here it's important to point out that as much as gear and equipment are important for aerodynamics the rider and their position on the bike and holding that pos- position for the duration of the bike leg those are the most impactful factors by far behind your aerodynamic drag so this is crucial to practice not least because it's uh, one thing to be aerodynamic when you start the race but quite another thing to be able to still be that when you finish the bike leg but let's start with the physical training aspect and the fitness aspect of bike training this is obviously an incredibly broad discussion many many books have been written about this but i'll try to keep this discussion nice and tight and talk about just a few key things and key pieces of advice uh, that uh, will help achieve the objectives of improving your ability to hold power for extended durations as we discussed above is what triathlon is about within with certain power variations of course Uh, there are obviously differences in 
kind of in, in how you should train depending on what your goal distance is and uh, more so depending on what your ability is whether you're a beginner or uh, a very experienced athlete the, the training for a beginner uh, for their first sprint distance for example doesn't need to be as structured and specific as that of somebody training to foregoing to kona uh, a beginner can focus more on just riding consistently trying to get in two rides per, per week every single week that would be a great starting point riding outdoors regularly to get comfortable with bike handling on different roads and on different terrain making sure that they learn how to do things like changing a flat tire if that happens and things like that uh, and if you're a beginner but training for a longer race like an olympic or a 7.3 then also working up to that goal distance in training is an important part of the training process simply building the endurance to go the distance this does not mean that the beginner doesn't benefit from structured and specific training they absolutely do and they will improve faster and be able to go faster on race day i would say that if you want a basic structure we'll talk about this a bit later on but for beginners uh, doing one longer endurance ride per week uh, and that can be an outdoor ride preferably uh, longer here is relative to goal distance of course for training for a sprint it would be very different compared to training for your first half distance race but if you do that longer endurance ride and then you do another ride that is a more structured workout of some sort that would be a really good a starting point for many beginners uh, but at the same time i would say this is what i want to stress here that that for some some people new to the sport uh, maybe new to training uh, overall just simply building that habit of consistency is enough of a challenge as is and having something very structured to do can seem a bit daunting and feel a bit like a like a chore or like a job so if you're somebody that at this point in time just uh, want prefer to just go out and ride and that's what makes you be consistent then that's better than having a structure plan that you're not able to follow and not able to do consistently another thing that i want to say on the beginner side of things and well for anybody you don't have to have a power meter to train effectively heart rate is a great tool and while it's not quite as precise as power it does tell you some things that power does not tell it tells you a lot about the internal strain that your body goes through and it can absolutely help you train in a very structured and effective manner and of course rating of perceived exertion rpe it's something that you should always use in any workout and learn to listen feel how hard the effort is uh, and you can do learn to do workouts very effectively with rpe alone but that being said it does help to have either heart rate or power to calibrate your rpe and learn what uh, yeah get, get some get sort of a calibration curve for that so uh, so of course you can get by with just rpe from the start but uh, but i would say that uh, if you don't have a power meter get a heart rate monitor they're cheap so so that's not that, that would be a great bonus for beginners the more advanced you become uh, the more important it also becomes to be structured and very deliberate with your training but uh, on the flip side it also becomes quite easy to maybe forget about the basics while chasing marginal gains and uh, and perhaps not always seeing the forest for the trees and that's one of the biggest challenges especially in this information age for the advanced athletes uh, that never forget the hierarchy of needs and the basic principles uh, in the chase for for marginal gains and just and, and adding one or two watts to your threshold or to your race power 
So, so that's those are a couple of things to think about depending on your ability level. Let's get down to uh, a list, a numbered list of key pieces of advice for the physical aspects of bike training for triathlon, just like we did last week for swimming. And the first piece of advice here is that in your training, make sure you spend at least some time on all different parts of the intensity spectrum from low intensity to very, very high intensity. Of course, the various lower intensities will happen naturally if you do endurance rides which you should be doing but uh, what i'm saying here is that you shouldn't necessarily think that any one high intensity is the be all end all or any one high or moderately high intensity is something you should avoid i think that over the course of a season uh, it, it makes sense to have spent some time on all of these different parts on the intensity spectrum from very very short and sharp things to something that you can do for more like a handful of minutes and then all the way down to something that's more like a Ironman or half Ironman race pace, which you can hold for a long time, obviously, but they can still feel be a feel like a moderate, well, be moderately hard. Not not exactly easy. So depending depending on what what level of athlete you are. For somebody who takes a longer time to go around, then actually you will have to do those those long races at an easy intensity. Uh, so so yeah different parts of the seasons will have a different focus uh, you don't have to be doing all things at all times and uh, you can also just add in small pieces of maintenance every now and then uh, this is something that i like to do with my athletes for example when we approach the specific preparation for races and we will have uh, a month or two where we focus mostly on things around race pace or at least more like moderate uh, moderately hard intensities and not so much high intensity that we might have been doing at other parts of the season but maintaining some of that is something that i like to do so every couple of weeks at least including some high intensity including some one or two or three minute efforts maybe even just as a build set before a main set of race pace uh, so it it doesn't have to be complicated to fit it all in uh, but also you don't have to fit it all in at all times you shouldn't fit it all in at, at all times you should just focus on the priorities but but over the course of a season it makes sense to basically the, the point here is to not not avoid any intensity and also not think that any one intensity is is so massively better than another that it makes sense to only focus to put all your eggs in that one basket also, one final point here, there's nothing wrong with doing a kitchen sink workout every once in a while. Kitchen sink workouts, for those not familiar, means basically a workout where you have a mixture of intensities mixed in. So you might start by doing some uh, some sprints after your warm-up and then do some VO2max efforts, let's say two-minute intervals, and then you might be doing some threshold efforts and then some sweet spot efforts and yeah, something like that. Those can be uh, very fun and also challenging workouts. And uh, and as maintenance of all the systems you built up or all the uh, all, all the intensities that you've touched on earlier in a season, those workouts can actually be quite effective to to stay in touch with with all those different intensities on the power duration curve, so to say. All right. So advice number two is that in cycling, uh, perhaps more than any of the other three disciplines volume is king to me it's not even a perhaps to me it just is but I, I guess i can't say there's no scientific evidence for for this it's just anecdotal uh, knowledge but uh, but basically it, cycling it takes quite some time to build up 
fitness there, but it can be greatly accelerated by by cycling more. And cycling is the one where people respond the easiest to just doing more cycling. So if you can do more cycling, then you will likely improve. And that's that's all there is to this point. Volume is very important. And it's not the reason that I'm putting this as a key piece of advice is that in swimming, of course, volume is important, but also it really depends on the quality with which you are swimming. And you can have bottlenecks that prevent any sort of volume from being effective. If you, for example, swim with really poor technique and you're not focusing on improving that technique. And in running, volume is not necessarily king because uh, you might get injured so so in running uh, you just you basically m- want to find a minimal effective dose more so than than think that more volume is going to make you faster at all times because that's not the case but cycling is very very safe to increase volume so uh, advice number three is that endurance riding riding at a uh, at, at a steady or low intensity is always going to be zone two in a five zone model or even zone one in a five zone model. That is always going to be the base upon which you layer intensity. And endurance workouts allow you to recover well in between your hard workouts while also accumulating that volume, which is important for your long-term improvements. But uh, they do allow you to recover between your hard workouts so you can go really hard and get the most out of those harder and more challenging workouts. So just like you make sure that you eat your vegetables every day, make sure that you do your endurance workouts every week. How to do your endurance workouts? This could be an entirely different episode, an entirely different topic. It depends on things like your ability level, your goal, event, the amount of training you're doing, the amount of fatigue you're carrying. Uh, But I would say the two main drivers here are A, making sure that you don't go so hard that you sacrifice the quality of your harder workouts, making sure that you always give yourself uh, enough low give give yourself a low enough intensity that you can recover and perform well in those key workouts and uh, so so that would be one thing and and the second thing would be just generally speaking so this all this relates to the same point but generally speaking if you do less volume overall and then your endurance workouts can be slightly at a slightly higher intensity maybe somebody who's doing uh, in total for the triathlon training they're doing seven or eight hours they can do their endurance rides at 70 75 percent of ftp but somebody that's training for 15 hours would be doing them at 65 percent or so so that's uh, on average and there might be variations there some might be 55 some might be 75 uh, but but that's a general uh, general pattern that we're seeing tip number four is that when it comes to the harder more challenging rides specificity is always going to be very very important and in particular when you are in that period of race prep in the last four to eight weeks before your race specificity however doesn't have to mean sitting and hammering away at whatever your goal race average race power is let's say it's 250 watts for it doesn't matter what event it is you don't need to just sit and hammer 250 watt intervals but specificity means anything remotely remotely close to that average race pace because you will probably be experiencing all of these intensities in the race due to the terrain due to overtaking due to uh, winds and so on 
so so something that is so if your goal race is 250 watts and your uh, threshold is 300 watts and then intervals at 275 watts are quite race specific uh, not to do them at, at a lower amount than your total race time of course but but still it's close enough to the race pace to be quite specific so so what i'm saying is that in that race prep period you want to be doing workouts kind of at and around that race target race intensity also i really like to prescribe mixed workouts where for example uh, a favorite of mine would be to do uh, for somebody targeting 85 percent of ftp as their 713 race pace uh, a number of 20 minute intervals where the average is 85 percent but we do that as five minutes at 85 percent five minutes at 90 percent five minutes at 80 percent and five minutes at 85 percent for example uh, so there are variations there in that power uh, so yeah that was number four specificity is important number five pacing very important when it comes to uh to triathlon bike training because obviously we all realize that pacing is important in racing but we need to think about this in training as well because you learn how to pace in races but you also learn how to pace in training and here's a big pet peeve of mine if you just uh, get your structured workouts from your coach or from your training plan and you keep your erg mode on at all times and you end up being whether that structure workout is created as a this is a bit of uh, basically technical doesn't really matter here but erg mode for those not familiar with smart trainers the smart trainer basically sets the resistance so that it's automatically at at a given power and you just have to pedal and if you pedal slower then the resistance increases and if you pedal faster then the resistance decreases so that you always uh, hit that target power but usually for example if you have a training plan or a coach where it says that you should be doing your intervals at whatever it is uh, 80 to 90 percent of ftp then your erg mode will place you usually at least in swift this is how it works in at 85 percent of ftp and if you don't think at all about how you're feeling and you just pedal on at the 85 percent then you might not realize that oh on this day i'm actually feeling really good and i might get more out of this workout by doing it at 90 percent because that was part of that target prescribed range and on the other hand on this day i'm not feeling quite recovered my sleep maybe wasn't the best and i had a stressful day at work maybe i should just keep it at 80 percent today because it feels quite a bit harder than it did last week so you need to keep your brain in the game and train with presence just as we talked about last week for swimming and uh, and even in some cases and uh, i'm a bit afraid of saying this well i'm not i'm, I'm only afraid of saying half of this in some workouts you may need to adjust down intensity down below what your target intensity is and it might be just going and doing an endurance ride or skipping the ride altogether but well this is that's not about pacing really so so in terms of pacing uh, if we stick to that topic let's say you have a 30 minute tempo segment at the end of an endurance run which is a favorite workout of mine that i'll talk about a bit later and your target power is 80 to 85 percent for the tempo segment and uh, you're sitting there uh, and trying to ride at 80 percent but you realize that on this day maybe the ride was felt quite hard on you or it was longer than normal or you didn't fuel great during the ride and you just realize that i probably won't be able to last 30 minutes at this intensity but instead of uh, calling it a day 
you might just adjust down a little bit to 78% or 77% of threshold and that might help you get through. Those are the kind of adjustments that you can do when you're present in your training and that will help you learn pacing and that will be hugely beneficial on race day as well. So yeah, constantly assessing how you're feeling and taking action on it will allow you to do it on race day uh, easily and much more effectively than than other otherwise. And the thing that I was afraid of saying is that in some cases you may actually increase intensity above what was planned. And I'm saying this with great hesitancy, but I do think that for athletes that are very responsible and know their bodies very, very well, I would say this is for experienced athletes only and and also athletes that aren't prone to overdoing things necessarily. Uh, for them, I think that there are some cases where you might have that 80 to 85% target for your tempo workout but you feel so good on the day that you feel that okay this is the day when i i push it a little bit not not completely but i push it a little bit and you go to 90 percent instead so so that might be okay uh on on the day again this depends on athletes uh, on the athlete and i'm not saying that this is something that everybody should be doing i'm saying it with great hesitancy but but that, that's a great thing that will teach you how to pace if you know that okay I'm actually feeling so good at the beginning of this segment that I know I will be able to do quite a bit more. More, And one final thing that will teach you how to pace better is doing time trials uh, and ideally, of course, time trial races uh, outdoors, but maybe even doing time trials in training that can be really beneficial for developing pacing, whether it's outdoors or indoors on the, on the trainer. Uh, advice number six, and that was number five, pacing number six is Think about your rider, your cyclist profile or your power profile. Uh, or no, cyclist profile is what I want to say here. So if we look at road cycling, we talk about a cyclist in terms of different, or we talk about different categories of cyclists like GC riders, that is the general classification riders that are uh, the ones that fight for the Tour de France and Giro d'Italia because they can climb very well so they don't lose uh, time on climbs uh, but they can also time trial very well so they don't lose any time there either then we have the pure climbers that are not necessarily uh, gc contenders because they can't time trial and we have the time trialists that aren't uh, gc contenders because they maybe can't climb as well then we have the sprinters of course that contend for the flatter stages of the tours we have the punchers that are good on rolling courses with shorter maybe with shorter climbs and and basically attacks and things like that so and so on so if you categorize yourself in one of these categories then what would that be and you can think about how you do relative to your peers on hard group rides are you somebody that climb away from them but you suffer on the flats or can you repeatedly attack them hard for a few minutes and gap them that might be more of a puncher category or can you out sprint the bunch when you're coming back in a sprinter obviously or can you out time trial them so that one is pretty self-explanatory i think and as a triathlete you definitely want to be on that time trial list or general classification rider side of the spectrum uh, because most of our courses are time trial courses but also we sometimes have some climbing sometimes a fair amount of climbing on the courses so Sustained power is something that for both time trialists and general classification riders is key, just as it is for us triathletes. So that's where you want to fall. And if you are not particularly strong uh, as 
those types of cyclists then that means that you might have to focus a bit more on on turning something that is a weakness into a strength and try to become more gc or more time trialist than puncher or sprinter so one way of thinking about your profile is those is how we perform on local group rides you can also do things like metabolic tests uh, you can use you can do field tests and use either just your uh, looking at the power data and comparing over time but you can also use software like wko that they that software will tell you what they think you are like if you're a time trialist or a sprinter or uh, all-rounder whatever based on your power duration curve and uh, and if you are somebody that if you don't have access to uh, if you don't do group rides and you don't have access to metabolic tests uh, one thing that you can do as a field test which this might get a little bit nerdy and too detailed for some but i think some will like it so i'm gonna give it here it's a key performance indicator that i use with some athletes that i have do field tests uh, it's simply to do a three minute all out uh, time trial and then on a separate day when fully recovered a 12 minute all out time trial the ratio between these two average powers the average power for 12 minutes divided by the average power for three minutes uh, that is something that i find interesting to look at and uh, as a minimum goal for this ratio i want to get the athlete to 81 to 82 percent so that you can hold your so for example if your three minute power is 200 watts this makes the math easy then your 12 minute power should be at least 168 uh, no sorry 162 <laughs> 162 watts um for some riders, it can be very difficult to get any higher than this 81 to 82% ratio, simply due to the nature of their physiology, so that's fine. Uh, but uh, but a stretch goal would be to get this ratio even higher, get it up to 84, 85%. So again, if you did 200 watts for your three-minute test, then for your 12-minute test, we would like you to get to 168 or 170 watts. And at that point, you would definitely be a really, really strong time trial list slash general classification profile and uh and then and and that, that's a great great sign of of good sort of sustained power for triathlon of course uh sustained power in this case it just means that your threshold is kind of a high percentage of your vo2 max that doesn't mean that you can hold a high percentage of threshold for your race for that you need to train specifically and that's why the principle of specificity which we talked about in point four is, is is important you can't just rely on a field test like this to say that okay i'm prepared for my race because it's, it doesn't work like that but uh, yeah that was just an example of a kpi that i like to use uh, but uh, regardless of how you come to what your cyclist profile is you should you should use this principle try to think about your cyclist profile and work towards optimizing it for triathlon because basically this helps answer the question can i hold a high percentage of my threshold and of my vo2 max for a long time and then if you find that you have room for improvement there then that's great then you know what to work on but if you find that you you actually don't have much room for improvement you've kind of eked out with your current threshold and vo2 max you're kind of stuck then you know that you need to raise your vo2 max and raise your threshold first to take that as priority uh, 
key advice number six and i'll be brief with this one because we're going a bit long already which i knew we would uh, but this is torque training or low cadence work on the bike i think this can be beneficial for uh, almost any triathlete of any distance i prefer to to give it as kind of zone three tempo work so 80 percent of ftp 85 percent of ftp and working at cadences of 50 to 60 or maybe 60 to 70 uh, depending on the athlete just be careful about joint health and uh, if you have had any, any issues with knee injuries or things like that then this might not be for you and i would always recommend this is for people that have had a bike fit and and haven't had injuries uh, if you haven't had a bike fit having a bike fit is a great way to prevent any problems from cropping up because if they do they are probably not because of the torque training itself but because of a poor bike fit in combination with the torque training key advice number seven and this one is specifically for long distance athletes or half and full distance and intermediate to advanced athletes uh, especially but also also people that are newer to the distance and maybe just the principle applies but not not necessarily as important as for the intermediate and advanced athletes the principle is that longer rides might be more important than higher frequency than higher frequency of workouts so to give you an example if you can ride for seven hours per week which is a good amount for many triathletes for most triathletes and you are an intermediate or advanced athlete focusing on half or full distance triathlon then using those seven hours over three rides for example one that is three and a half hours one that is one and a half hours and one that is two hours might be better than doing it over four rides that might be three and a half one and a half one and one that's my opinion uh, for this particular context that i described and uh, so one more thing on the, this longer rides doesn't mean that it has to be three hours or it's useless it doesn't even mean it has to be two hours and it's useless uh, but basically that duration if you have the minimum amount of if, if you are doing three bike rides per week that's quite good and and if you have another hour to allocate to cycling then it may be depending on what your current structure looks like allocating that hour to one or several of your bike rides that you already have might be better than adding a fourth ride that is just one hour long that is the the gist of this principle and this advice and number eight is that again for long distance athletes in particular intermediate and advanced athletes doing fatigue resistance workouts so this means doing moderately hard or even hard intensities after having already expended a lot of energy for example one of my favorites is to do maybe two two and a half three hours at high zone two between 65 and 75 percent of ftp or 70 and 75 percent ftp and then after that do a 30 minute tempo segment at 85 percent of ftp 80 to 85 percent and uh, and yeah that's that's a fantastic ride where which will show you if you can still be strong and feel strong and perform after having expended 1500 kilojoules 2000 kilojoules maybe 2500 kilojoules depending on the event you're training for and uh, for cyclists this is a principle that we can take even further because it's it's even more important for them uh, given the nature of their racing but for triathletes i think this is a key uh, key type of workout and it doesn't have to be a 30 minute tempo run it can be it can be 
four times six minutes of threshold riding or it can be a lot of things but fatigue resistance doing moderately hard to hard intensities when already tired when already having well not necessarily when tired but when already having expended a lot of energy is a great thing to do for your bike training all right so that was uh the physical aspect and we are running low so i will tackle the rest of the episode a little bit quicker the first uh well first let's get into the how to train for aerodynamics so i just want to say that this is a bike training episode so we won't talk about all the other ways you can improve aerodynamics like getting a bike fit or buying new wheels or things of that nature but only the training aspects and key advice number one here is to do indoor training because that allows you to be really really focused on your position ideally uh, get a mirror so that you can watch yourself and uh, and you can do things like uh, if you have your laptop for example in front of you and you're on swift or something like that put that on uh, on a height where it's really appropriate for you to look to look forward look to the road ahead because that's what you will be doing in the triathlon and put maybe put your race helmet on at least every once in a while put your race helmet on and make sure that you can keep your uh, keep your gaze in front of you and look up the road so to say and and hold it there and train those neck muscles and and make sure that that's doable so indoor training you can basically control the environment or control your position so well and you don't have to worry about traffic so that's a great way to practice aerodynamics Uh, but number two is outdoor training you need to do that too because it's one thing to be able to do it indoors and uh, outdoors in the real world things are a bit more messy and there is traffic and there is wind and there is changes in terrain so of course uh, in terms of traffic that's something that we don't have as much on race day so try to find some place reasonably safe to do this type of training but it it is important every once in a while go out and do some uh, riding in the tt position outdoors and focusing on both producing power but also being aerodynamic and perhaps focusing most of all on the speed because that's how we get from point a to point b the fastest by being by having the highest speed not by having the highest power so uh, so that's that's something that is really important to practice outdoors as well as indoors and practice in the tt position outdoors and uh, key advice number three is mobility so you can you can improve your mobility by mobility training this is something i would recommend doing uh, together with a good physiotherapist uh, or even a bike fitter or a bike fitter that is a physiotherapist would be great but uh, basically if you have restricted restricted mobility in your hips or hamstrings then you might not be able to get into as good an aerodynamic position as you otherwise would so so working on this mobility and improving it over time this is a long process and you can't expect things to happen very quickly but that will over time allow you to maybe maybe be in a more aggressive position or put out more power in the position you currently have so that is uh, that is something that is really good for certain athletes but again i think this is something that you want to have assessed uh, by a good by a professional in the field a physiotherapist for example uh, and let's run through a quick list of common bike training mistakes to avoid i've touched on some of them already but i just want to um, summarize them here the first one is to do all of your bike training indoors and not training outdoors and also not training outdoors in the tt position where you're focusing on speed just as much as you are focused on power again speed is how we get from start to finish 
the second one is simply not training enough in the tt position period uh, of course if we we're talking about non-draft triathlon here and holding a high power but uh, it goes without saying that we need to be able to hold that power in the specific position we're racing in so you need to do training in the tt position if you want to uh, to maximize your your performance ability uh, number three is mistake number three is not eating enough on the bike and i would say this applies especially to intermediate and advanced athletes that are that tend to do more training overall and longer rides so of course this applies also to beginners when they're doing longer rides but uh, but but advanced athletes in particular that might be averaging high watts and a lot of calories the more calories you burn the bigger the deficit you put yourself in obviously so the higher the power the more reason you have to to really really focus on eating uh, but in general intermediate and advanced athletes a lot of intermediate and advanced athletes could do a better job of eating more on the bike especially in those longer workouts but longer here doesn't necessarily mean four hours it can mean an hour and a half or two hours so so that that will help your performance maybe in that workout but even if it doesn't it will definitely help your performance uh, over the long term uh, and make sure that you recover better for the next training day and you you can you don't put yourself in you can do more quality training over time put simply mistake number four is getting caught up in chasing marginal gains and uh, yeah just stick i mean i'm not saying don't do that but make sure that the basic principle are for principles are first and foremost and you're focusing on that and then you can basically you earn the privilege to chase some marginal gains as well but uh, yeah don't lose sight of the forest for the trees and mistake number five and this is uh, for the more advanced athletes and it's not necessarily as much as a mistake but uh, as it is this is something that could be better that could help you improve and that i think a lot of athletes miss out on and that is doing enough long workouts long is very relative here of course but let's say that you're typically doing you're an advanced athlete and you're typically doing a three-hour long ride on the weekend but your rides during the week are one hour one hour and one half hour if it's possible to increase that one and a half hour ride to a two hour ride even if it means skipping one of the other one of the one hour rides i think that might be beneficial so it's relative to what you can do uh, with your life circumstances and logistics but but i just want to uh, to bring to everybody's attention that for intermediate and advanced athletes longer bike workouts especially when it comes to long distance non-draft triathlon are really key in my opinion uh, and this includes this includes not just endurance rides by the way this includes two-hour rides with quite a lot of quality in them or three-hour rides with a lot of quality in them so it's not about doing long endurance rides necessarily uh, so it, it is just that that length the duration of the workout regardless of what the content is i think is a good driver of adaptation and uh, finally let's do some um, example structure example weekly structures and example workouts so for a beginner training two times per week uh, i already kind of went through this one ride would be a longer outdoor ride uh, for example on the weekend with endurance focus but probably with some natural variations in intensity due to terrain uh, and wind and that i think is perfectly fine the second ride can maybe be something a bit more focused and structured so maybe even an, a turbo trainer or indoor trainer ride if you have one or an outdoor ride if you don't 
Uh, closer to the races, this second ride should definitely be something with race specificity. So intervals at your target race power or heart rate or effort. Uh, so, so something like that. But farther out from the races, it can be something maybe a bit more intense, but of shorter duration, like threshold intervals or or in, intense intervals above threshold, via to max intervals, if you want to call them that. And for intermediate or advanced athletes, uh, there are really for beginners as well but there are really a hundred ways you could do things so i'm not saying that any of these structures is the best way or anything like that they're just suggestions and examples that for a typical athlete i think would work quite well so if you're an intermediate athlete and you're uh, you're limited to riding twice per week that's not ideal because the bike is so important so increasing to three rides per week would be much preferred but uh, if you can only ride twice per week then a similar structure to the beginner training would be good but just try to make those two rides, both the outdoor endurance ride and the structure ride, which can be indoors or outdoors, just try to make them as long as possible within reason to get that total volume of riding up. If you're riding three times per week, then I would say one longer endurance ride, one ride with something around race pace, which is obviously very different for sprint compared to Ironman and everything in between. And for a sprint distance, it would be more like a threshold workout and for Ironman it would be something like high zone 2 low zone 3 and would probably have to be a lot longer and then the third workout could be either another endurance workout maybe with a fatigue resistance finish if it's a longer one or maybe the longer endurance could be that fatigue resistance workout and this could be a just a shorter or moderate and and duration endurance workout uh, fatigue resistance by the way again that was that long ride that finishes with 30 minutes of tempo for example or four times six minutes at threshold uh, but uh, if your race pace workout was on the more intense side and you know so for example you're training for a sprint or olympic or even a half distance race and you know there's only so much you can handle in any given week uh, then it makes sense to make this third ride something lighter uh, an endurance ride again if, however, you are more limited by time than by your ability to recover, or if your distance is Ironman, so that the race phase workout wasn't particularly intense, then this third workout could be some sort of intensity that complements your race pace workout. So, for example, if you're a 713 athlete and you're racing at 80 to 85% of FTP, then it could be this third workout could be some intervals at just one rung above race pace so 85 to 95 percent in the 85 to 95 percent range but if you're a sprint or even olympic distance athlete so your race pace is somewhere between 90 to 100 percent ftp then something that complements race pace would be in the 80 to 90 percent range and that would basically bridge the gap between endurance and race pace and likewise ironman athletes could also be looking at something in the 80 to 90 percent range so basically supporting the race pace at something in the 70s uh, from above and finally if you're training four times per week then two workouts with endurance focus maybe one of them could have a fatigue resistance element so finishing in tempo or threshold one workout with a race pace focus and one race pace support as described above uh, if depending on the the challenge level of those the race pace and the race pace support then you might not do the basically the fatigue resistance would be a quality workout in my mind so if you do that then maybe the race pace support would be a very light quality workout with mostly endurance but maybe a little bit of just touching upon some 
some intensity around race pace so basically not adding that much load and being mostly endurance focused but again this comes down to the individual athlete and 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 it it really depends on the fatigue resistance as i said it's a it's an advanced strategy and it's not something that everybody needs to do and you definitely don't need to do it all the time so the general structure would be simply two workouts of endurance focus one of race pace focus and one of race pace support focus uh, so yeah note that there will be times during the year when you might or should fit, focus on high intensity uh, above threshold via to max workout so these example weeks are just a few snapshots and and they do cover kind of the most important principles because as we discussed sustained power really is the the holy grail in triathlon and and i think that you need to train quite quite specifically for that but that said there are as we discussed situations a vo2 max is always a higher vo2 max is always great and there are some situations where that is the only logical next step if you're basically maxed out on what you can do with your current vo2 max so so yeah and also note that you can include high intensity maintenance as i described previously maybe every other week doing a little bit in a build set before your main race base workout or whatever it is or do a kitchen sink workout every now and then now finally some example workouts and these are for an intermediate level uh, triathlete so scale down or up accordingly for endurance workouts the duration that you do depends obviously on the distance that you're training for and the time of season two hours is probably enough for an intermediate athlete focusing on the sprint distance uh, even in the specific phase or race preparation phase whereas if you're focusing on the ironman then at the long ride would be maybe three hours farther out from the race and then of course when you get closer and you get into that specific preparation period then you would be building it to doing at least two or maybe three five hour or five hour plus rides uh, so note however that you don't necessarily have to do a long ride every single week regardless of if you're talking about two hour long rides or three hour long rides or five hour long rides if that's difficult for you to fit in i think it's beneficial to to do a long ride every week but it's not necessary you can do it every other week and it will still be great the intensity of the endurance ride or long ride or endurance rides in general i should say whether they're long or not should be such such that they feel that it feels comfortable to start with but maybe towards the end if you're doing a long ride it it can and will feel harder <laughs> it's sometimes very hard depending of course on how long the ride is and how conditioned you are but a ballpark of in terms of power percentage of ftp 60 to 70 percent is good of course some rides you might be pushing it to do 70 to 75 percent that's fine but I, I think that a key a good principle to take away is that just because 75 percent is still in kagan zone 2 or usually considered zone 2 also i also use that for zone 2 that doesn't mean that you always should be at 75 percent or 74 percent or 74 and a half percent endurance is a big range and generally speaking you just want it to feel quite comfortable and you want to keep an eye on heart rate as well and have heart rate remain in zone two for most of the ride and above all make sure that you can hit your hard workouts with quality and not be fatigued for them a fatigue resistance workout example so i already alluded to this let's say an hour and a half at 65 to 75 percent of ftp and then 30 minutes at 80 to 85 percent ftp would be a great example uh, that would be a light one for 
a much more challenging one try three hours at 65 to 75 percent and then 30 minutes at 80 to 85 percent intensity maintenance uh, that i talked about could be for example an hour and a half of endurance riding at 60 to 70 percent ftp but include uh, a three minute interval at 110 percent of ftp after 30 minutes after one hour and after an hour and 20 minutes a race phase workout example and let's take 7.3 distance here uh, it can be simple three times 20 to 30 minutes 30 minutes perhaps when you're very getting close to the race and getting very fit at your target race power 80 to 85 percent with 10 minute recoveries i do like to add power variations as well as i described before so the average across the 30 minutes ends up being target race power but some of it is below and some of it is above and finally let's say a threshold workout example which is also a race specific workout for sprint and olympic distance try four times 10 minutes at 95 percent with four minutes of rest would be a, a great example all right uh, that's it for this episode i hope that you enjoyed it and next week of course we'll do a run one to finish uh finish off this particular swim bike and run training uh series i have a piece of housekeeping i want to get out there before wrapping this episode up though uh, we're looking for a coach an experienced and knowledgeable and passionate coach to add to our scientific triathlon coaching team if you think that you fit that description then please email me uh, michael at scientific triathlon.com that's michael with a k send me your coaching cv and uh, if this sounds like you and uh, then we can see if it seems like a good fit we'll uh, have a chat and uh, and see if if you're the one for the role and also if you are not a coach or you don't you're not interested in this but you know somebody that might be please share this and uh, because yeah really we want as many quality candidates as we can and uh, select uh, the best possible candidate for the position um, links in the episode description will be available to the tts thursday episode archive and also to all previous cycling related episodes on that triathlon show so you can check that out and uh, as i said last week we did a similar episode but on swim training so if you missed that go and check it out keep sending in topic suggestions and questions and then we can answer future podcasts to my email and if you are interested in coaching or training plans go and check out scientifictriathlon.com and the coaching or training plans pages respectively where we have a lot of information and contact me directly if you have any further questions or want to discuss around any of those products or services Thank you finally to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find at precisionhydration.com. Go and get a free hydration plan and get 15% off your order of electrolytes with the promo code DEATTRIATHLONSHOW15. And thank you to Roka, that you can find on roka.com. Check out their wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, high-performance eyewear, and prescription glasses and sunglasses, and get 20% off your order with a promo code that you can get on roka.com forward slash TTS. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.